Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Samantha and Denise. We're happy to have you join us once again this week. For this episode, we are going to be exploring some questions and stories and insights that you have shared with us all month long on our Facebook page and in our email. We've got some great questions and some really nice validating stories that you all have shared regarding your experiences with your guides and your intuition. So pull up a chair and join us for a lively discussion of your questions and stories. Denise, would you like to start us off? I would love to. Um, and this comes from a woman in Australia. And she said, firstly, I'd like to thank you both. I really enjoy listening to your podcast and the great topics you cover on my drive to work. I find everything you talk about really interesting and useful. And that's very nice. I have a question about pets and when they pass. I recently lost my dog, Coco, who's been with me most of my life. We had such a great bond and connection, and I really don't want to lose that. I'm very open-minded and practice how to listen to my intuition and have been on my spiritual path for the past year, path for the past year, though I can doubt myself a lot. Whether I'm really allowing messages from my angels to come through or if I'm being an open channel. So now that my dog has passed, I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to try to connect with him. And I'm also curious about reincarnation and how will I know if this has happened? You know, and I've said this over and over again about the connection with pets and soul dogs and soul pets and animals that there are certain animals that I, I my own personal side, I think they come in as part of our soul group. I've had um, dogs my whole life, especially I've had lots of animals my whole life, but the, there's been a couple dogs that I've had such a close heart bond with that they could be so intuitive to my emotions, to my feelings. They would know when to act silly. They would, and I, I often wondered, you know, did Gabe come in as, um, was he my prior Brutus? So, and not that I don't love all my animals, but do I think they go to on to another life? Very much so. Do I think they'll be waiting for us when we get there? Yes. And I've thought about that over the years. My gosh, there's going to be just this rush of animals coming at me when I cross over. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I, I do love, 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 because a lot of times when I'm doing mediumship, I will connect with someone's animal. I'll connect with their pet. And I think that they have soul. They have energy as well. And I think that that's, um, uh, where am I going with this? Um, I could hear my dog barking downstairs, so maybe know, she was listening to the conversation. <laughs> uh, and, and she usually doesn't do that. So, um Anyway, where was I going? Oh, as far as the angels coming through, do I believe that, I believe my father has always met my dogs when they come over, since, since he passed anyway. And I've heard him clear as a bell before say, he, uh, I've got her. So I have no doubt they go. As far as coming back, it would make sense. Um, I think people, though, get caught up in wanting that same dog rather than cherishing or same pet or same horse or rather than cherishing the one that they have at the time. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, Barbara Streisand just wrote an article about how she had her favorite dog cloned twice. I know it. I don't know what I think about all of that. What I do know is that animals do have souls. I think anyone listening to this podcast would agree with that. And for those fellow Catholics out there, Pope Francis finally did, you know, change that little weirdness the Catholic Church had that said only humans have souls. So that was nice. 
interesting that Pope Francis, who's named after St. Francis, this patron saint of animals, would make that change in, in that faith, which I think is lovely. So yes, I do think that animals have souls and move on. When I do readings, <clears throat> excuse me, it's interesting. I will often see the client's loved one in heaven standing with a dog or a cat near them. And it's interesting which dog or cat it is, because as you said, so many times we'll have eight, nine, 10, 12 or more pets in our lifetime. But often I will see a grandfather, a mother, an aunt, and they'll be standing with the quote-unquote family pet. Now, I usually only see them with one pet, and I think that's just my ability. I've always been a one-at-a-time person. You know, like if I'm doing a reading and I sense that there are five loved ones around that client, I can't pull them all through. It gets overwhelming. I have to pull the strongest energy through, and I think it works with the animals too. So whatever animal is the loudest or the most barky or annoying is probably the one I'm going to pick up. But I've seen it enough in readings that I do know our animals cross over and that they do align with family members. Um, I wonder if it's like us where I believe that we have an aspect of our soul, our higher self, that always stays on the other side and then copies of us come back to reincarnate and experience earth and the different lessons we're here to learn. I wonder if it's like that with animals where a part of them always stays on the other side. It might be. You know what else is really cool? A lot of times when I'm doing mediumship, I'll see, you know, a grandfather, whatever it might be. And sometimes they'll have a dog that they grew up with or a dog or a cat, or a horse, or a cat, something that was around when the person I'm reading for would say, oh my gosh, that was a dog that he had when he was a kid, or that was a cat that she had when, you know, she first got married. I mean, and so it's interesting to me that a lot of times they'll show me that they're with an animal that meant a lot to him, So, which goes back to what we started the conversation with, certain animals we have that soul connection with more so than others. Yes, exactly. And those are the ones I tend to see One of the first times I ever connected with an animal in spirit that I knew I was connecting. Like sometimes I'll see a black and white cat and I'll say, did you have a black and white cat? And they'll say yes. But I don't get a message that goes with that. I'll just see it. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. But sometimes I will get a message. And one time this woman came into my office and I saw this German shepherd so clearly in my mind's eye. And she said, yes, I just lost my German Shepherd a year ago. Um, you know, the main thing people want to know is, were, were they at peace when they died? Usually with animals, we have to make the decision to let them go. You know, the vet will say, he's had a stroke or she has too much cancer in her. We can't let her continue to suffer. And that accompanies a lot of guilt with it. And one thing this German Shepherd told me was, why'd you wait so long? Like I was Mm -hmm. ready to go. And the main thing he said was, um, it's time for you to get a new dog. It's the best way for you to heal. And I'm going to help you with that. And she said, I've been researching it thoroughly, but I feel too guilty. And he showed me like a map of our city. Mm -hmm. And then he showed me an airplane. And I said, are you considering getting a dog locally? And are you also considering getting a dog that you'd have to have flown in? 
Mm-hmm. And she freaked out and she was like, yes, I picked out a breeder, but I'd have to fly the puppy in and it's really expensive, but it feels like a match. And I said, well, he's showing me the airplane is the better option than the local option. And anyway, I don't want to go on and on about this, but it was just interesting. It was the first time I've ever communicated with an animal and, and actually gotten a message. It does not happen to me often. I'm not an animal communicator but I think it goes back to the strength of the animal. Either way, I do know that they are always ready to go. I've never heard an animal go, son of a bitch lady, I had a couple of good years (laughs) left of me. (laughs) I've never ever felt that. I've, I've always get the message of, I was more than ready to go. Then I'll always get the message too. Like, please continue to adopt more animals because you know my people need that Mm -hmm. that's very cool okay let's move on to the next question this is just a really nice uh fun story i wanted to share a funny story as part of my thanks for your amazing show and light work i've spent the past year embracing my true empath intuitive self and discovering how to work with my guides and i owe all of that to your guidance normalization book recommendations and advice well thank you for that Quick background, my guide and I worked out a communication system using license plates. Since I'm busy working as a working mom, my only quiet reflective time is in the car. I promised my spirit that I'd always pay attention to three repeating numerals on license plates, and I even told my guides the websites I would use to interpret the meaning so I could get self-doubt and ego out of the way. Holy cow, did that open the floodgate and my guides and angels sent me repeating numbers on license plates continually. Cut to a few weeks ago, I was in a bit of a funk, and I'd gone about a week without any license plate encouragement. I was feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And as I was listening to a part of your Q&A podcast where you mentioned spirit could send signs in numerous ways, including songs, I thought, you know, I haven't seen any license plate this week. I've been freaking miserable down here. I'm really struggling and you're nowhere to be found. Yes, I was having a real pity party for myself. At that very second, a song popped into my head, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. It was so intense, I couldn't get my thoughts to jump to anything else. I finally paid attention to the lyrics. It's getting to the point where I'm no fun anymore. I'm sorry. Sometimes it hurts so badly, I must cry out loud. I am lonely. I am yours. You are mine. You are what you are. You make it hard. And I laughed out loud thinking, oh my God, I think my guy just apologized. And he confirmed that A, he's not helping anyone else. And B, that I make it hard. Ain't that the truth? But since I'm new at this, I was still doubting that this song was from him. So thankfully, two seconds later, a car cut out in front of me in traffic with a 555 on the license plate. Our agreed-upon website said in summary, big changes are happening. Release old doubts and fears. Spirit is here to support you on your life path. Have faith and avoid negative thoughts. At this point, there was no denying it was from him, and I laughed out loud, apologized for being such a brat, and thanked him thoroughly for showing up when I really needed him. Isn't that a great story about just... Needing to connect with our guides and doubting the message the second it comes in. I think we can all relate to that. We really can. And that is so 
my, that happened the other day is, you know how I love the animal things, um, mm-hmm. the nature signs, all of that stuff. And I took the dog out yesterday morning really early and instinctively I looked up in a tree and there were just two crows standing there like looking down at me. And I thought, okay, do you need more of a sign, Denise? Almost a head thunk on that one. So I went in and I looked up what crows were in a couple of my different books I have downstairs. And it was amazing how accurate it was for what was going on in my life. So whether it's license plates or songs or animals in nature or wheat pennies, whatever it might be, let it happen. And and I think my whole thing is when I start searching too hard for things to be a sign, rather than just saying like, oh boy, that just popped up in front of me. Do you agree with that? I do. And I like the way Michelle is the one who wrote that email. I like the way she set up a system with her guide. I think that's yes. a really nice way to open up that communication, you know, where she said, okay, I want repeating numbers. I'm going to use this website to interpret those numbers. Let's go. And that's what I've done with my guides. They, um, for me, for example, the red cardinal is typically a sign from a loved one in heaven. It's usually a, hello, I'm here. I miss you. I love you. But because I live in the state of North Carolina, I can see cardinals every day of the year. And I don't have that many people in heaven going, hey, how are you? Miss you today, miss you tomorrow, miss you yesterday. So I decided <laughs> to change that up. And I told my guys, if I need like a heads up or a warning or a like watch out today, you know, show me a red cardinal in an obvious way. If I'm going to have an exciting, beautiful or peaceful day, show me a bluebird. Uh, If there's something I need to just tune in and kind of unplug and meditate on, show me a hawk. And so I've kind of given them a little, um, I don't know what you would call it, a guide for the Mm -hmm. different birds to show me. And that's helped me a lot. So I think it's fine to work out a plan with them. I agree. I, I definitely agree. So it, I think that the nice balance with that would be to have a plan, but also be open to um, those little surprise visits as well. Yes, I completely agree. Because <clears throat> you just never know. I told this story on the Psychic Teachers podcast years ago when my youngest was, she was around, I think, five or six at the time. And she got really into ducks. I don't, you know how little kids are, they get obsessed with different yes. things. And for some reason, she was hooked on ducks, and we got her a stuffed duck, and she read about ducks, and we got duck books. And one morning, she woke up, and she said, Mommy, there's a duck on the front yard. Oh. And I was like, there's no, like, lake or pond right here. What is she talking about? And I look out in the front yard, and there's a duck walking around our front yard. Wow. That's the weirdest thing. Yeah, and then it just went away. You have to wonder if it was a spirit animal for her. I know. Very, very cool. I do. So, yes, I think we should be open, and I like that she was open to hearing a message in lyrics and songs. I always tell people that nature is an easy way for our guides to connect, but music is a great mm-hmm. way as well. Um, I think also dreams, you can tell your guides, please give me a message or a symbol in the dream state. And I think as she said, you know, numbers and messages on signs and license plates, there's lots of different ways to connect with your guides. We just have to be open to 
the different ways they're trying to connect with us. I'm just going to add one more quick thing before we go into the next question is also random conversations. If you're having a conversation and someone brings up cardinals or they bring up ducks or they bring up something that you've delineated as a sign with your guides, pay attention to that because that might be another way that it's coming in. If it's just something that you're, you're not even talking about that topic and it starts to work its way into the conversation. I totally agree. Or even if you're standing in line and you overhear two people talking about something that you really needed to hear in that moment. Yes, exactly. You know, or I had three listeners in one week send me a book recommendation. I am pretty darn sure they don't know each other. And it's a famous book, so it's not like someone's trying to get their book on Right. Like out there, it's a famous book I've avoided reading because it's really big and in-depth. And then I was listening to, I think, Coast to Coast, and they had the author on for a one-hour interview on that book. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm going to have to check out that book. <laughs> I can't avoid that one anymore. Um, That's right. Well, here's our next question. Uh, Being an empath, I'm profoundly affected by the violent events around the world, oppression, and the political turmoil our country finds itself in. That, in addition to my own day-to-day regular human struggles, has really bogged me down. I feel like I've been walking around with a broken heart and a heavy weight on my shoulders for the last few months, and it physically manifested with this recent severe flu. Oh, goodness, fever of over 104 for four days. Wow. I put forth a tremendous amount of effort to stay healthy, work out, yoga, eat organic, don't smoke, rarely drink, regular Reiki sessions, acupuncture, counseling, and preventatively got my flu shot. The doctor's only explanation for why I keep getting sick is stress, and I know the stress comes from how deeply I feel my emotions. I'm extremely concerned of continuously getting sick. I feel I've tried everything, cutting negative people out of my life, going on a media fast, etc. It's getting to the point where I wish I could turn off my emotions, but I know I can't. What is your advice on overcoming this? How can I bring myself to a stronger, healthier, more stable empath? Okay, first and foremost, my absolute empathy and compassion for how deeply you feel things, because I, I had to shut off the news many years ago. It's not that I'm oblivious or have my head in the sand. I just can't handle it. I, it's too much. I internalize it. I, I get. I just. It, I think that part of the polarity we're experiencing right now is that keeps us in that dense place. Um, and I had someone come in where I work and was just off on a tear about negativity and this and that. And I, I just was respectful, but I also said. I really don't want to have this conversation anymore because it's it's too. I think it's a fear-based tactic to keep us stuck in a certain place. Mm-hmm. And the person got a mm-hmm. little offended, and I said, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that I'm going to choose to focus on things that I can control or things that I can enjoy in my life. And I think if I fall into that hole, I, I have the same reaction as the person who wrote this letter. Physically, I manifest that. I feel heavy. I feel dense, headaches, stomach issues. So I think that that's a huge, huge part of the self-care piece. Also, I have to add, over the last several months, for a lot of people that, and myself included, but a lot of people I've done readings for, it has been um, dense, heavy, oppressive, exactly what she's saying for probably about six to eight weeks, just this 
where where am I going? Having a hard time connect to to divine. Feel it just has felt really thick and muddied. And a couple days ago, all of a sudden, it was just like bing, and the light started to come on again. It's like, what in the world was that all about? But I feel like we had to step out. We're stepping out of that density now and moving forward. It might equate to the new moon we just had. It might have to do with spring coming next week. But it truly feels like what I said to myself is, Denise, this is enough. Stop. Stop buying into this, and it's time to get back on track. And literally, it's been like a light switch. So, do I agree with the stress? Yes. Do I? I am absolutely so impressed with all the things this person has done to take care of themselves. Oh my gosh, don't you agree? I do, but I agree with everything you said. But what I would like to add, I feel that her intention in doing all of this is to not get sick. Oh, that's a and, really good point. Yeah, and we manifest whatever our intention is. And I always tell people the universe cannot hear negatives. You know, the example I always use, if, if, if I say, Denise, don't think of pink elephants. Bing. The first thing you see is a pink <laughs> elephant. So even if you're saying, I'm not going to get sick, I'm not going to get sick, I'm not going to get sick, all the universe hears is, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. So it's so important if you're going to do these, all of this effort, the yoga, the Pilates, the flu shot, the organic eating, all of that, it, the intention should be to maintain health, not to avoid illness. And another thing that has been really helpful for me staying healthy this year is if I start to feel really run down and funky and I mean, I do a lot of the natural stuff. I use sinus blaster. I use lozenge. I, do, I don't, I try to do everything humanly possible before I go to traditional medicine. But a couple times when I've been going to bed and doing my nightly routine, going to sleep, um, I'll ask, I say, I really want to feel better by tomorrow. Please help me get a good night's sleep. I want to just sleep this away. And I know that sounds silly, but it's worked a bunch of times this winter. Mm-hmm. Just ask them to take it away. I, I don't, please help me feel healthy and strong or help me get have restorative sleep so I can fight this off. I agree. And so I would recommend that she, because she wrote, I'm extremely concerned of continuously getting sick. So that's a lot of emotion. And when we put that much emotion behind an intent to not get sick, we're manifesting the opposite of our intent. We're manifesting that illness. And so I think it's important to just focus on staying healthy. And, and, and I think what she needs to do is instead of feeling stressed out by the illness, I think she needs to pat herself on the back for all the beautiful work yes. she is doing. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. She's the poster child. I know. Regular Reiki sessions, acupuncture, counseling, yoga. I mean, that's beautiful. And so I think she should relax into the atmosphere and the emotion and the energy of, I am doing my best in this moment. And sometimes if the, the sickness and the illness and the flus and the stress, if that continues, I always wonder, is that just our higher self or our guide's way of saying, girlfriend, you need to rest. Mm-hmm. 
You know, my daughter said to me the other day, she said, Mom, everybody in my class is getting sick except me. And I said, okay, so isn't that a good thing? And she said, well, I kind of need a day off. I envy them. They're, they're, you know, posting on Instagram about how they're sitting in bed all day. And she said, I haven't gotten a cold or anything. <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh. So I let her have what I call a little well day at home because I thought this little one is going to manifest strep throat or something just so she can have this day off. So I just went ahead and gave her a day off and she stayed at home. Which I think is wonderful. Sometimes I think, you know, everybody needs that. Yes, that's very true. The other thing, just real quick before we move on to the next one is I, I, what I heard when you were just talking and, and, you know, responding to that question was for the person who wrote this is you're doing enough. I heard that clear as a bell. you're, You're enough. You're doing enough. It's all okay. And I think that there's a very hard, that just, there's a self acceptance piece there that truly just you're, you're kicking it. You're okay. So well said and much much needed message that I think is absolutely true. Okay, our next question says, Hi, Samantha and Denise, I love your podcast. I was listening to last week's show about past lives, and you all talked about how sometimes souls choose not to incarnate with their soul group or soul family. Why would a soul choose to do this? I believe I may be one of those souls, but I keep asking myself, why in the world would I choose this? Thank you. Okay, so I believe that I am one of these souls as well. So I feel that I could answer this based on my experience, my belief, and my opinion. You know, this is not based on fact. But what I feel is that souls who choose to incarnate without their soul family, it's because they are here to learn to really strengthen their individual light so that we can live a life that is, focused on our purpose and not be persuaded one way or another by souls with which we have lifetimes of karma with. Now, I'm not saying that souls who incarnate without their soul family don't have karma. (laughs) Because trust me, I got a lot of karma I'm working out in this lifetime. But what I mean is, I think sometimes we choose to come here and experience that feeling of disconnect and aloneness and isolation as a way to find our inner strength. When I think about my family of origin and how disconnected I feel from them on a soul level, it can and has made me feel very sad and alone. But then when I think about how I've been able to flourish on my own emotionally and create my own beautiful circle of encouraging friends and family members that are my new family, it makes me feel so empowered and confident and courageous. And so I think that's one of the main reasons why my soul possibly chose to incarnate away from the main nucleus of that soul family. Am I saying that right? Yes, that came out really, really well. And do you remember years ago when there was a whole bunch in the in the juju community, they'd talk about walk-ins that if you had a traumatic yeah. event that people, I haven't heard anything about that in years. 
but I thought about it at the time. Maybe I am one. Maybe, you know, that that's why I don't feel like I fit in or that's why I'm so different than so many people in my family of origin. I've done, this has been for, any, for I think for a lot of us too, this winter has been a lot of soul searching, a lot of um, review. And I don't think it's age dependent or location dependent. I think it's just energetically a lot of us have been rewriting the script for what we want to do next and, and releasing some things from the past or forgiveness has been a big theme as well. But I truly think that there are lessons we learned from the people we incarnated with that often feel like they've been a catalyst for us to step into our own light in a way we might never have been able to do if we had come in with um, feeling as connected or feeling like we belonged. I think that's the key is, is coming in and, and feeling that sense of disconnect. Cause I think, I think that you and I are probably part of some soul family or some soul group. I felt a connection right away when you handed me those crystals Yes, at and, that workshop. Yes. And, and considering we we've really only met in person one time, we have an amazing friendship, which is right. And it just hit that way right off the bat. There was, and talk about divine, you know, intervention or I always say the claw game kind of picked us up and set us there and said, you know what? Okay, you two need to do this. This is important for both of you in the next part of the game. Time to get started. And I'm sure you have a lot of friends and, and that you consider to be family that would fit that as well. But I just think that you and I started off this lifetime in families that, weren't necessarily connected to our energetic vibration. Is that a nice way to say it? That's a beautiful way to put it. And another thing is, um, you know, back to the soul searching, one of the things that I really came to terms with a couple of years ago was that I changed. I, I came, I've, I'm truer to myself now than I've ever been in my life. I feel more comfortable with myself. You know, I'm, I don't hide. This, it's just what you see is what you get. But I think for some of the people in my family of origin, they wanted me to stay who I always was and not become who I truly am. It, because that there's a, there's a comfort level. There's also, it's, easier, right. it, it's easier to keep people in the role that they were, um, they were brought up to be in or that they were encouraged to be in. But when you step out of that circle or step away from that and you say, you know what, this is who I really am and this is what I came here to do, that can might be uncomfortable for people who are still stuck in that rigidity of the way it always was. It's uncomfortable for them and it's threatening for them. And it also shines a light on their inability to change. And, and don't you think too, that when we do connect with like-minded people or friends or acquaintances or people who feel more like family or who get us on a different level or accept us on a different level, that that's part of our reason for being here as well, is if, if we're always going on and on, raise your vibration, do what you need to do, follow your life path, that's part of that as well. And I, I think I shared this on the last show or shared it with someone that, you know, I always worried, am I going to have to repeat this, uh, this lesson with someone because I haven't mended that fence or I haven't, you know, gone out of my way to try to make a relationship work. And I truly believe in my soul now that, Maybe the the lesson there was for me to break that connection to to say no, you're not going to control me anymore, and I'm going to move forward in this lifetime. So, yes. so that's a biggie. 
That's a real biggie, especially if it's family of origin people, because we have the emotional stuff. We can, we come in so dependent and so vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I saw a little tiny person um, about two and a half the other day, and it was just, oh my goodness, the light coming out of that child was so beautiful. And it was, I just laughed because I thought they can't be anything but. And that's what we spend the rest of our life trying to do is getting back to that place of just being in light. Exactly. And remembering, you know, really who, who we really are. Remember you and I had that phone conversation not connected to the podcast where I was saying that my older sister said to me, you came into this world so spunky and full of sass. And then you just morphed into this shy, quiet kid. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered, where did that sassafras go? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and she said, I can see it coming back. But that was like when I turned 40. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> but I think... I think that when we do, a, I don't know, kind of figure out, okay, our family of origin isn't necessarily our sole family, and that's okay, and I'm okay, we can reclaim that light and that spark that we came in with, and it's super empowering, and it is life-changing, as you said. And it can help us heal those relationships with the family that we were born into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And maybe heal them from afar. True. That's true. That's a very, very good point to add on. Okay. So you ready for the next one? I am. Okay. Recently, I've been experiencing a feeling in the area of my heart chakra to what I can only describe as an amazing, blissful feeling, almost like pure, unconditional love and joy. It's intermittent and nothing like it, like I've ever felt before. I'm currently awakening and wonder if you can tell me what this means. Is it my inner light, my soul, my guides? It's truly amazing and seems to be a random thing, but my gosh, it's wonderful. Also, I'm an x-ray student who recently went to observe an MRI. When I was there, I could actually feel the magnet's energy. It was overwhelming, and the closer I got to it, the more I felt like I was in a dizzying vortex of sorts. After this experience, it took many hours for the tingling and blissful feeling in my chest to return. I now have no doubt that I'm sensitive to energy and will trust every message received. What is the most amazing feeling happening to me and how can I use it to strengthen my gift? Thank you and many blessings. And I think that that speaks so much to the more sensitive we become, the more intuitive we become, the more we honor the empath in us and how, like when, when you start to cherish that you're sensitive, it's like your whole body gets in on the game. It's all of a sudden you're sensing things. You're feeling other people's feelings. And we've done it so instinctually our whole lives. But then the more we acknowledge it within ourselves, the more we come, and that's true, to everything is vibrating at a different frequency. And the fact, like an MRI, that's pretty intense energy. So the fact that she was picking up on that, I think that's incredibly, incredibly cool. The other thing with that, that, heart, that opening of your heart, to be that connected with your heart chakra, to feel that feeling, that's what we're all looking for. We're trying to find that bliss. We're trying to get in that place of joy. So I think meditation or acknowledging that, putting your hand on your heart and saying thank you when that happens, 
and being aware of it is a huge, huge, huge thing to, to pay attention to and acknowledge and be grateful for. Um, well I, said. Yes. I, thank you. But I, I think that this is a, I love, love, love this question in the sense of the sensitivity piece, because we're so blessed with this carbon base to, to use as a barometer. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. And I would also add, when our heart chakra opens like this, I have never had runner's high. I've never run <laughs> that consistently, <laughs> but I've heard about it. And I wonder if it's kind of that same way, because I felt that, that, that sense of euphoria, that adrenaline rush of feeling connected to everything and everyone. And it is amazing and beautiful. And so I would add to her experience when that happens, appreciate it and, and thank you know, your higher guides for it as she has done. But then also share that, you know, find a way that you can take that light that has gathered and kind of exploded inside of your, your energy and share that in a way with others. And it could be the simplest thing. It could just, you know, be passing on a compliment to a stranger as you run errands. It could be calling up a friend you know who's going through a difficult time. It could be sending a, a gift to somebody just to say thank you. Anything, but I think when we are gifted with that amazing experience, it's important to pass it on. And then the second thing I would say is to really focus on grounding your energy. And I only say that from experience. When I started to open up, I was so excited that it was happening, you know, that I was feeling all of this, that I was seeing these things, that I was making these connections, that I never wanted to shut down. And that is not a good idea. <laughs> right, you have to. Because then you feel everything. So I would emphasize the importance of grounding your energy. And that is as simple as just visualizing those tree roots coming out of the soles of your feet or an anchor coming out of your root chakra going into the ground, whatever feels comfortable for you when it comes to grounding energy. But I think if you want to anchor in that amazing experience, you do have to ground your energy. And I believe that has, has to happen at least once a day, especially for empaths. And I think that's, that's an incredible, incredible point to add in. Don't you find when you make like an incredible link or a strong link with someone in spirit and it's a very uplifting reading and it raises your, your you know, and, and after you finish the reading, it's kind of like that jittery high of that's what this feels like as yes. well. And you do have to shut it down. You have to ground yourself or you just, it's like being a bat in a vent. You just kind of, <laughs> you really have to refocus your energies. So yeah, sometimes I have to like pretend I'm Taylor Swift and like shake it off. Like I have to actually <laughs> physically shake my hands and get that energy out. Um, other times if I have that euphoria after a reading, what helps to ground my energy is to call someone like you and talk about it or write it down. And when I say call someone like you, I say that on purpose because if I call one of my quote unquote normal friends and tell them about an amazing reading, they don't know what to say. No. They're like, oh, that's great. I'm really glad you spoke to a man that's been dead for 50 years. 
So um, I'm making tacos for dinner and I'm out of taco seasoning, you know. (laughs) And that's the like-minded people. So finding another empath, finding a support, finding someone who understands that you're that sensitive. I don't know why this popped in when you were talking, but another thing has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it. I started, I used to do this years ago and I started doing it the other day. I was, had a conversation with someone who's, they're toxic. There's no other way to put it. Their, their energy comes at me like a, like the, 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 um, the poison cloud, you know, the green poison cloud in the old cartoons that come at people. So I always think back off, but after they left the other day, I instinctually like took my hand and like rubbed, like wiped it off my arms. I like wiped the energy off of me. And I felt so much better. Does that make I think that's a great reminder. Yeah. Sometimes I will wash my hands, like actually soap and water after I've been around someone who's negative or toxic. I do that a lot in between. Like if I'm at uh, doing in a a public place, doing a lot of readings back to back, I'll I'll wash my hands and get get the energy off. So, yes, if I'm doing like, like a day of readings, I have to do that. That's so funny. I didn't know I was, I thought I was the only one that did weird stuff like that. Yeah. I will get up, I'll go to the bathroom and wash my hands. Um, and another thing that helps is just saging after, like if mm-hmm. you're with someone and, and when I say toxic, I just, sometimes it's, you know, those people who kind of, they're super nice, but they're always down and it's yes. like they don't want to be happy and you'll point out all these good things going on in their life to help them and they resist it I find that almost more toxic to my energy than someone who's overtly angry and mean it's exhausting it's absolutely yeah. exhausting so so I think it's good to have those reminders okay I'll read the next one this is from charity Hello, Samantha and Denise. Thank you for all you do. I have such deep gratitude for your work here as well as psychic teachers. I have a question and a story to submit for discussion. I've been doing a lot of the work, as they say, and connecting with my angels and guides. I had asked to be shown my angel in my dreams, and was I ever. I had a vivid dream that took me back to my beautiful childhood home in the country on a farm. I was led by a force around the property. I saw all my favorite trees and spots to play or stretch out on the grass, and then finally to my childhood playhouse, which had formerly been the ice house for the property but was converted by my dad. As I stood looking at my playhouse in my dream, there was a name over the top of the door, Julia, it said. didn't make any sense until I woke up. When I was tiny, I had an invisible friend named Julie. I talked and played with her often, and my mom allowed me to, which upon reflection was such a beautiful gift. My mom said recently at first, she thought I just had a vivid imagination, especially for a preschooler. But then I would repeat things Julie had told me that were so profound and way beyond my level of understanding that she knew I was interacting with a very special being. I feel so blessed to have had those early experiences. When life got trickier in recent years and I fell off course, I asked for signs for my angels, and I got feather after feather. I even had a feather drift down from the sky and land in my open handbag at a football game. My husband saw this, and even he was amazed. Just thought this would be a fun story to share and reminder that we are very much connected to the other side. 
My question is about my beautiful, sensitive 14-year-old daughter, Sophia, who has been working on awakening as well. Recently, she received a hit that friends would be in a minor car accident. Sure enough, within a couple of weeks, it happened. My question is, how do I assist her best through this journey? She didn't know which friends it would be and had to kind of sit with that information. How can I help or guide her to best use and manage her gifts? Hugs and blessings. Wow. Well, I do love that story that she remind, she was reminded about who her angel was and that it was an imaginary friend from her childhood. I think that's beautiful validation and nice confirmation that when we ask for that connection to be deeper and we are patient, that request is always granted. Regarding her sensitive, intuitive daughter, Sophia, I think it's very difficult to help navigate our children through childhood in any way, situation or form, but you add being empathic and intuitive to it and it can get a lot trickier. The fact that she is obviously open and intuitive and connected herself is already a huge help because she can listen to Sophia and help her manage these emotions. I would suggest that she help her to talk through these emotions with her mom and I, as the mom, I would explain to Sophia that we are given a lot of information and some of it is true and some of it is not true because the future always changes. So when we are given information that is scary, like, like a minor car accident, the best thing to do is to take that information and simply pray and send loving light to it. You can take the image, for example, of a minor car accident and you can put it in a golden bubble so that it's pr protected by golden light of protection and healing. But I would stress to her daughter, Sophia, that the future is not written in stone. And so what she saw was a potential that unfortunately came true. I remember when my daughter, Victoria, she was 10 or 11 at the time, and she woke up one morning and she said, Mommy, I just had a dream that my friend moved. And I said, oh, honey, I hope that doesn't come true for your sake. And she said, yeah, me too. It kind of upset me. And I was really good friends with her friend's mom. So I called her and told her. And she said, oh, my gosh, my husband is up for a promotion. And if he gets it, we're going to have to move out of the country. It's like, you know, a job in another country. And I thought, holy cow. And it ended up that he interviewed for that promotion and didn't get it. So Victoria saw a potential of her moving. I think it's very important to remember that for all of those who, of us who are psychic, but also for those of us who go to psychics for readings. You know, if a psychic tells you, oh, you're going to move in six months. No, there's a potential or a probability right. of you moving in six months, but it's not set in stone until we all make our free will choices. Um, the other thing I would suggest for her to help her daughter, Sophia, is to just make sure she has one-on-one -on -one time with her daughter spontaneously throughout the day and the week, because that is the best chance, in my opinion, to talk and connect with your children. You know, I have three kids. I'm always with them. And when I'm with them as a group, there's a lot of chatter, there's a lot of overtalk, there's some arguing, there's a lot of fun, he said, she said, but 
when I ask one of them, hey, come to the grocery store with me. Hey, can you walk the dogs with me? Um, let's go to that store and pick out those shoes you want. When I get that one-on-one time with them, that's not planned. Like, let's go have lunch and talk about what it's like to be a teenager. You know, no, mm-hmm. nothing's coming out of their mouths then. But when it's a spontaneous thing, that's when they're able to talk and process the emotions and worries and fears that they're working through with being an intuitive. Um, and I'll stop jabbering in a second. And then just the final thing is make sure that you teach your child who is intuitive and empathic how to take care of their energy teach them meditation, teach them grounding, talk to them about the chakras, run them a bath once a week and pour a cup of Epsom salts and a cup of sea salts in it and explain to them that if they just soak in that bath at the end of a school week, it'll help to scrub clean their aura from all the junk they picked up at school throughout the week. Do you want to add to that before? Yes, and it wasn't jabbering. It was very well put. Um, and you're also, you're, you're right in the thick of that right now. Your girls are very highly sensitive and empathic and it's different. Like my, my sons are older, but I think another piece to that is, um, validating that it's normal, making it okay, but also adding in, you know, that piece of how to navigate in the world that might not understand that. And I'm, what popped into my head is public school. Uh, as far as, you know, protect yourself, don't pick up other people's energies. And the other thing is, this is a precursor for, you know, late teens, early 20s is when the floodgates open for, for intuition, for sensitivity. Like we think it's, it, we, we come onto the planet, yes, wide open, but that's another one of those surge points is late teens, early 20s, where all of a sudden, if, if you have a, a natural propensity towards this, being an empath, towards being a sensitive towards being an intuitive, it can really, really kick into gear during that time frame. So what I love is she's, she's giving her daughter the skills now so that she'll be ready to, to navigate what's coming next. Um, and I think that that's beautiful. The other thing is, um, and not to make it gender specific, but I had sons, I didn't have daughters. And I know that when we would do things, we would physically do things like, uh, you know, change the radio in the van, or we would be, they, they found it easier to, to talk about things if we were not, if we were actually doing something, um, not just sitting and talking. Now we're at the point where we just sit and talk, but as younger people, it, it helped if we were doing a project together. Yes. Yeah, that physical distraction, you can have such great emotional connections that way. I totally agree. And also, just remember, your kids are always watching and learning and observing you. You know, my kids, I always joke, it's hard to have a mom who's psychic, Mm -hmm. right? Because we know stuff that they don't want us to know. Um, We know when they're lying. (laughs) My daughter, this is not a really good story, but it kind of illustrates the point. My daughter said, mom, if I don't cheat on this chemistry test on Friday, I'm going to fail. Can I cheat? I just sat there at the dining room table. and was like, what am I hearing? And my other daughter, Tori goes, why would you ask mom if you can cheat? And she said, well, because if I do, she's going to find out anyway. So we had to have a long talk about cheating and getting a chemistry tutor and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, 
So I think it's hard when you do have a mom who's really intuitive because they can tune in and figure stuff out. My kids always act typically annoyed and frustrated by my psychic stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like if their friends come over, I have crystals over the tops of all the doorways. And we had a friend over the other day and one of the crystals fell on her head. (laughs) And she opened the door too fast. And Olivia just kind of looked at me and rolled her eyes and turned beet red. And I was like, oh, sorry. But what I've also noticed... I know it's a circus here, but what I've also noticed is if my kids have a rough day at school, they'll come home and they'll go, mom, can you sage me? Or, Mm -hmm. Hey mom, can you, um, you know, that meditation you always do where I jump in the cloud and I throw my troubles over. I can't remember. Can you walk me through that again? And I'm amazed. My, um, my middle daughter has to do a history project on anything in the 20th century that interests her. And she's my little fashionista and artist. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you could do it. I said, why don't you do it on how the 19th Amendment changed women's fashions? And she said, yeah, I kind of was thinking about doing it on the Montauk Project. Wow. And I was like, really? And I was trying not to get too excited. And she was like, yeah, or maybe Mothman. I was like, yes, I had an impact. just remember that they watch and they observe you. My, I had a really stressful week this week and um, one of my girls said, you know, do you want me to run you an Epsom salt bath? And I was like, see, they get it. Like they understand because they've watched me do it all these years. So I think if, if we, if we live our authentic path and embrace and trust our intuition without even teaching our kids consciously, we're going to be mirroring to them how to walk through this world as an open, emotional feeling person and still teach them how to be grounded and protected and safe. And it's also teaching them a life skill. It's the same as, you know, eating well or exercising or, you know, having a moral compass. It's just another skill set to use throughout life. And to start young with that, not have to learn it later on. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. Yes. Oh, and as a PS, my daughter did not cheat on the chemistry test. <laughs> and she got a 70. And all her friends who cheated got A's. Oh, that's hard. That's you know, really hard. Those are hard lessons. That was an issue for me when my, my kids were in school. And there was a woman who her daughter was very very bright young lady in the top, you know, all these things. And I was talking to this, this woman at another event and she said, well, I had to do the project for her because there was no way she was going to get that done. And I morally have a really hard time with that because I, that's that, that student didn't deserve to be in the top 10 when she didn't do the work to, to earn it. But nobody ever knew. And I carried that around and I thought, it's not fair. It's not this. It's not that. And then I thought, well, that's that's the way they they feel they need to do this. But I think the fact that you, your daughter is so cute to say that you're going to know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I said to her, I said, well, your friends have their A, but you have your ethics. Yes. Yes, and it's also that life lesson of you're responsible for your choices and you know, taking the easy way out always isn't the best choice. That's right. So on that little high horse of mine, I guess we can finish up. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you want to read the next one? Do we? Oh, we do have time for one more. Okay. Oh, do uh, we? Oh, I'm, I don't I never look at the time. I'm I terrible. Me too. I have no idea. Well, we'll do one more quick one and then we'll, okay. I think we're about done. Um, hello. I just love listening to you ladies. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. I learn so much every episode. One question I do have is, how do you ladies know when what you're feeling is someone else's energy and not your own? And do you ever show physical symptoms of people around you, such as rashes or headaches and such? For myself, I understand that I feel other people. This is probably why I don't like large crowds and such, but I can never actually pinpoint in the moment when I'm feeling someone else specifically. I always doubt myself for one, and two, I feel like I'm just placing blame on someone else, like, oh, their energy is why I'm anxious or feeling tired. I don't want to do that because if it's me, I want to own it. I hope you understand. Do I ever? The reason I'm really asking this is because I work with this woman who I normally get along with, but I can definitely sense a lot of anxiety from her. She hasn't been happy with work lately, and last week took out a lot of her frustrations on me. She was very upset with someone else, and I got the lash out. I stood up for myself and, was con and convinced her to talk to the right person. Anyways, this woman has had shingles three times. This week, I've been suffering from a shingles-like rash on my torso. I'm only 33. I'm getting it checked out tomorrow, but I just find it very odd how this is playing out. Is this possible, or am I just losing it? Any insight would be helpful. Thank you for your time. I don't think she's losing it. I truly don't, and I do believe that sensitivity, because if you're how different is that is when we're doing a reading and all of a sudden you get a pain in your side or you start to feel a headache or, you know, you're, I mean, we, we both get the symptoms for when we're connecting with someone with spirit with how they passed or, you know, something mm -hmm. that might be going on physically with the person we're doing the reading with. So I think that, do I think we can manifest the physical ailment that is reflective of the person? Very much so. Um, I also think that, um, the it just she when she prefaced that with I can definitely sense a lot of anxiety from her. She's validating for herself that yes, she is picking up that person's energy. But I do think mm -hmm. it's a, a really fine line, especially when life is busy or you're in a crowd or you're talking to a lot of people, or it's someone you have a familiarity with so that you see them on a regular basis. And you it might for me anyway, it takes me a while to line up the pieces and say, Holy shit, that's not mine. But I, it might take me a while to figure it out. Does that ever happen for you? Oh, yes. Okay. Because I, I think that, um, yes, as far as picking up other people's stuff, yes, it's really hard to define what's ours and what's not. But with practice, it gets a little easier. And then when you do, it, as another real quick thing is if it's a, a really sudden shift. If you're feeling fine, you're feeling you know upbeat, happy, and then all of a sudden you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to go sit down. That might be a sign that you're picking up somebody else's stuff. When it's so extreme and so... Yes. What, what would you like to add? Well, I just want to say that I have... Um, I think this is a sign that she has a healing energy. Oh, yes. Good point. Because, I, you know, I'm not... Um, I'm not much of a, of a healer. I'm really not. I'm not a medical intuitive. If I do Reiki on you, I don't know if your back is going to feel better, but I do know that emotionally you'll feel better because I connect like my intuition, my readings are all about 
what's going on emotionally. Let's get to the source of this emotion. So I'm really good at picking up on the emotions of other people. I think in my experience, the people I have known that pick up on the physical ailments of other people tend to make amazing healers and wonderful medical intuitives. And the few friends I have who are really skilled at this, once they started doing that work, you know, once they started using aromatherapy or they started getting into massage therapy or they became Reiki practitioners or acupuncturists, that ability to pick up physically other people's emotions tended to go away. It was like once they finally said, okay, I get this, I'm supposed to do this somehow, it's like their guides put up a natural shield around them. I don't know, and I could be way off and off base, but that's just what I've seen in my own life. So I wonder if this listener has some abilities to be more of a physical healer, like a hands-on healer. That makes perfect sense. It makes absolutely perfect sense. And also to, to be feeling things so strongly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love yeah. that. And yes. I would say to her that there's a really good technique my Reiki teacher taught me. Whenever you leave somebody that you feel you may have taken on some of their stuff, you just put all uh, 10 of your fingertips together. And as all 10 of your fingertips are touching, you say, I now break and disconnect my energy from Jane Doe's energy. And then you shake your hands out. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good technique. Yeah, I Very like it useful. a lot because it reminds me that I can physically set my boundaries and say, nope, I'm not going to take on that energy. Right. And, you know, we always talk about shielding ourselves, like putting white light around ourselves. But another good thing to do when you're around someone who's a little toxic to you is shield them. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, and imagine them in a bubble of light or if they're angry, pink light or if they're very toxic, gold light to really seal in that energy. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to add to that. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening and sending in your great questions and validating and uplifting stories. We really, really appreciate it. We look forward to sharing with you next month for our Q&A for April, which can you believe we're moving into April, Denise? It's amazing. So continue, please, to send us your questions and stories. You can connect with us, um, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or please join us on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths, and message us there. Next week, Denise and I are going to be talking about the negative side of manifesting. Can you manifest your worries and fears? We're going to be sharing stories and examples of that and talk about ways that you can prevent manifesting negatively and only manifest the positive in your life so we hope that you tune in for that show in the meantime don't forget to show up do great work and share your light thanks so much everybody and have a beautiful week take care bye-bye